Over the last 11 weeks, we've been doing this study called Divine Selfies. And we all know what a selfie is. You snap a picture of yourself. You post it for other people to see. Well, God captured some selfies, and he posted those in the Bible, but they don't come in the form of pictures. They are images through his divine names. God has 85-plus names that are revealed across Scripture, and each one of those provides us these unique glimpses into who he is and what he is like. Now, as we've had this study, certainly we haven't looked at all 85 of those names, but we have taken a pretty thorough examination of those three foundational or prime names for the Lord, Elohim, Adonai, and Yahweh. Elohim is that Genesis 1-1 name for the Lord. It demonstrates God as a powerful creator. Adonai means Lord, and through that name we see that the Lord is supreme and the authority over all. And then Yahweh, or Jehovah, is his personal name. This is the name that he said is his living memorial. Every generation across all geography learns this name of the Lord because in it, there is a relational tell. God has a desire to be very personal. Uh, Star Wars deity, may the force be with you. The force is not personal. But our God is personal, and he reveals that he is the forever God, the great I am who exists forever to be with us and for us. We also learn that each one of those foundational names can be teamed with other words so that we have other names for the Lord that give us even more information and insight about who he is. And so we learn that he is God Almighty, that he is high and lifted up, that he is our healer, that he is the one that makes us right. He is our peace. He is our provider. And so as we've taken in all this information about God's divine names, it has led us to the same place of conclusion as Psalm 111, verse 9, which says, what a holy, awe-inspiring name he has. Amen? Like, what an awesome name God has. Last week, we concluded our study of the names by looking at the name that is the one that encapsulates the meaning of all other names, the name that embodies all that God is, and that is the name of Jesus. In fact, the scripture says this to us, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus reveals the fullness of God in the singularity of his name, Jesus. He is Elohim, the creator. He is the Lord, Adonai, and he is the great I am, Yahweh, Jehovah. There is no other name under heaven whereby people can and should be saved than the name of Jesus. Now, today, as we kind of conclude this study, we're going to do so with like a, a capstone opportunity a chance for us to consider, listen, how important that we steward the name of God in our lives well. I want to challenge you to think about your appreciation of 
but also your identification with the name of the Lord. We want to end with this opportunity to just own stewarding the name of the Lord in our life well. And to do that, we're going to consider a command from the Lord about honoring his name. Honoring his name. So I want you to take your Bible, open with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, we're going to dial specifically into verse 7 as we think about honoring the name of the Lord in our life, taking all that we've learned, steward that so that we can honor the name of the Lord. If you're uh, noticing, you haven't been with us, I'm still kind of a single wing. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful this week I'll get out of this contraption and be free. Amen. I want to be free. So hopefully you come back next week will be delivered. All right. Exodus, second book of the Bible, Genesis and Exodus. Exodus is that special place that documents how God delivered his people out of Egyptian slavery. And it's in Exodus that God gives some commands. And we refer to these set of commands that God gives as the Ten Commandments. Now, as you look at all of God's word, There's a lot of commands in the Bible. In fact, theologians tell us about 1,050 commands across Scripture. But in this setting, Exodus chapter 20, it's almost as if God took like the thousand plus commands and he summarized them in the ten. And so the ten is a very important document for us, giving us this statement about things that God wants us to tend to in our lives. And listen to this, one of the top three of the 10 deals with honoring the name of the Lord. Now we are just around the corner from the college football playoff. And if you follow that storyline, there's four teams that could be invited into the college football playoff. Now, as you were tracking that, did they get it right? Like, Are those the teams that you think are the top four teams? Michigan, Bama, Washington State, Texas, right? Is 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 that your four? Or are you thinking maybe like some of the Florida State fans or Georgia fans or Ohio State fans, like, like, like we deserve to be in there too. And they've got their argument. But here's the deal. There's only four teams that can fit in. You can't fit in all the teams. So only four can fit in. Those are the four. Now, when you think about God's commands, there's over a thousand commands of the Lord, but he condenses down to like 10. If you're going to make a top 10 list, not everything can get in. And then if you go further, like of your top 10, you're going to have a top three. Like the things that get into the top three are pretty important. One of those three is a command to honor the name of the Lord in your life. Look at chapter 20, Exodus, verse 7, the third command. We're going to read this first from the New Living Translation, which is one we often used because it's a good conversational translation of the Word of God. It says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord. Look at that. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you 
misuse his name. Now, I think that's a very accurate, like boiling it down to what is this verse asking us to do. Don't misuse the name of the Lord. However, I think if we take a more literal word-for-word translation like the ESV, the wording can be a little helpful for us to get to this conclusion, not to misuse the name of the Lord. So let's look at the ESV translation, same passage. You shall not, look at this, take, that's an important word, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Now, historically, people have oversimplified this third command by reducing its application to simply avoiding certain curse words or slang involving God's name. And so you think to yourself, man, as long as I don't say, GD, or oh my God, or go with the text abbreviated version of that, OMG. Like, if I stay away from those, then I'm good with the command. My grandmother uh, was a Pentecostal holiness gal, and so out of an abundance of caution, when we were at her house, you could not use words like gosh. Or even G or Jeez. Because she would say, that is too close for comfort. And we are not, we are not taking up the name of the Lord in vain in this house. Now it's not just my grandmother, there are other people who have assumed like compliance with this command is just simply refraining from using God's name. As a swear word. But Old Testament scholar F.B. Huey points this out. He says this command is usually associated with profanity or any careless or irreverent use of God's name. But its implications go far beyond this limited interpretation. So to get this deeper understanding, let's look at this verse closer. Verse 7 again. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. The Hebrew word for take, nashah, it means to lift up, to bear, to carry, to raise up, to hold up, to take up. A a more literal translation of the command would be something like this. Do not take up the name of God or do not bear the name of God in vain. Now, that sounds different than just don't cuss using God's name. Be careful in how we take up the name. So the prohibition not to take up the Lord's name in vain is more directed, listen, at misrepresenting his name. Don't take up his name and then misrepresent what his name represents. A more positive way to say that is we're under divine obligation to represent God's name well. In your personal life, in your business life, in your school life, in your family life, in your online social media life, we are to represent God's name well. Now, when this 
command was originally given, it comes on the heels of God delivering his people from Egyptian slavery. Now, the spectacular way in which God did that got everybody's attention. When we go back and we read Exodus and we see these plagues that came about and and passing through the Red Sea, like there were so many phenomenal, miraculous things. People like were aware of what God had done for Israel. Jericho, 250 miles away from Egypt. But people were talking in Jericho about what God did to deliver Israel as if they were there. But they weren't. But people had heard about it. And so because it was such a, such a big deal, like the name of the Lord soon became associated with Israel. And so he became known as the God of Israel. In fact, over 200 times, God is referred to in the Bible as the God of Israel. So in issuing this third command, God was making it known that he cared about how people repped his name. Like he understood what they believed, what they thought, how they acted, what they said. All that was going to reflect back on him. You better represent me well. Even today, if you go to a restaurant or you go to a a business, and if you have a bad experience with the person who is waiting on the table or the person who is selling you a product, like if you have a bad experience, it reflects back on the business. Now, that may not be fair, but the reality is your disappointment and the difficult circumstance that the waiter or the salesperson introduced may influence whether or not you ever go back to that store again. Like how they rep the owner, how they rep the business, it matters. When my daughter graduated from Flight Attendant Academy, she's a flight attendant with American Airlines. When she graduated, there was a ceremony, and we went to the ceremony, and I was surprised by this. The CEO of American Airlines presided over their commencement celebration. He stood in front of them and stood in front of the people that were there and said, hey, here's the thing. I'm the CEO of this company, but nobody knows who I am. You couldn't pick me out of a lineup. And and people aren't even aware of the things that I send by email that help kind of prioritize what our company should be about and, and, and the way that we define the culture. Nobody knows any of that. But what people know will be you. And many people will choose to fly American or not fly American based upon you. Whether you like it or not, you are the face of the franchise. Now, in some respect, the third commandment is God saying to me and to you, you are the face of the franchise. And whether we like it or not, or we think it's fair or not, people may potentially move closer or further away from God by how we take up his name. So we might summarize this third command this way. God may be more concerned with what we do in his name than what we do with his name.
It seems to be confirmed in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. We, we represent him. That's what an ambassador does. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Look at this. We speak for Christ. Can, can we agree that how we speak for God matters? Speaking for Christ certainly can involve those, those occasions when a door opens up where we get to have a theological conversation with someone. And when that happens, we should be careful to represent God's name well in what we say in those conversations. But can I say to you, you speak for Christ a lot more than just those rare opportunities where you have the chance to have that fuller conversation with people. We actually speak for Christ every day with our lives. In fact, there's some cliches. Maybe you've heard some of these before. It's much easier to see a sermon than to hear one. Or how about this one? Preach Christ, and when necessary, use words. Like every day, our life is representing his name. The question is, do we represent him well? For those of you who name Christ, you pray in his name. You have taken upon yourself the identity of being a Christian like how we think and act and speak will either represent his name well or we will take up his name in vain. Now the Hebrew word for vain is shav and it means empty, hollow, nothing, worthless. Shav shares a, a root word that means desolation and destruction. It was used to describe the aftermath of a storm. Recently in Tennessee, tornadoes ripped through that community. And maybe you saw some pictures of like the damage that was created by those tornadic storms. That this word, shav, it means the debris, the trash left behind by a storm. And nobody would think of themselves as trashing God's name. But the reality is when we take up his name and we don't represent it well, that's exactly what God says. You are trashing my name. And so the call of the command is that we consider carefully like taking up his name and representing it well, now, I know all of us would say, I would like to avoid the outcome of taking up his name in vain. Okay, for that to be, we may have to kind of widen our appreciation for what it might look like for us to do that, to trash his name. So here's some examples of how we might end up taking up his name in a vain way. Here's the first one, and that is using God's name for your own gain. Now, let me give you an extreme and probably a too easy of an example of this. Turn on your television set and you see a TV preacher who says, hey, send me your money 
And uh, as you support my ministry, God's going to do something material by way of blessing you. We see that and we know that's not right. Like you're exploiting God's name for your own personal gain. But again, that's such a, such a rare thing that we'll probably never do that with our lives. So maybe we don't think of ourselves as ever violating God's name by treating it in a way where we pursue our own gain. So let me give you a different perspective. Let's think of it this way. Using God's name can come in this form. When we seek to justify our actions in a way that benefits us by like blaming that on God. Marriages, listen, marriages have ended with people justifying their actions in God's name. Well, God told me to. God led me to. Let me say to you, if you're being led in a direction that contradicts what is clearly addressed in the Bible, that's not God. That's you justifying your own actions. So be careful about using God's name for your own gain. There are so many examples across history with people who have misrepresented God and they've carried out evil things in his name. And the result of that has been difficulty in getting people to accept the gospel because of that false representation of his name. Can I say to you, be cautious, be careful that you don't misrepresent God's name by attaching it to justify some of your own actions. Here's a second Example to consider. Am I guilty of taking up the name of the Lord in vain? A second example. Failing to fulfill an oath or a vow taken in his name. Let me ask you this. Is there anything that you've agreed to do or sworn to do in his name but you haven't fulfilled? If God's name was used to legitimize your oath, then breaking that promise is a lack of reverence for God and his holy name. Here's a third example. And that is saying something false or not true about God is taking up his name in a vain way. Now, I know what you're thinking. I would never do that. But be careful. Be careful how you speak about his name. Oh, God, God wouldn't care about that. God's not like that. God's just all love and happiness. He, he, he's okay with that. We can be guilty of taking the Lord's name in vain by misrepresenting him in what we say or what we agree to in terms of saying something about God that is not true. Be careful about just spouting off. Like, oh, that's not God. God's not like that. When what we may say isn't grounded and rooted in biblical truth. We, we live in this woke age 
where people are prone to create God in their own image rather than accepting the truth of what he has revealed about himself. So be careful that you don't misrepresent God by saying something about him that isn't true. Here's the fourth and the final example. And that is treating his name lightly or coarsely would be considered taking up his name in vain. Now, again, I don't think the primary concern of the third command is is this, but that doesn't mean it's unimportant. In fact, I'll say to you, the name of the Lord is so precious, it is so full of meaning, we should not mishandle or empty his name by crude or casual comments. Right? Our culture just throws the names God, Lord, Jesus around like they're no different than any other. But we, we should know that there's something powerful and precious about his name. And so we were respectful of his name. And we refuse to use his name as our go-to for expressing our frustration. Don't treat it lightly. Or coarsely. Now, whether we may say, man, I, I may be guilty of one of those examples or any other way you may think of that might misrepresent God, let me say to you, it doesn't sit well with him when we do that. Some of you have had the bad experience, unpleasant experience, where you're name and your likeness gets hijacked like on Facebook. I've had this experience where someone sends me a friend request. I'm like, wait a minute, I think I'm already friends with them. And then you look and sure enough, I'm already friends. And so all of a sudden they'll send out a message going, hey, somebody like has hijacked my name and that's not me. And that's frustrating aggravating when someone experiences identity theft, like you, you've, you've taken my name and you're using it to try to defraud people. That makes me aggravated. From time to time, people take my email and then they'll hijack it and they'll, they'll use it to try to get things from people. It happened this week where someone took my name and my, my email and they They sent out and said, could you please send money for this particular call? If you get an email from me asking you for money like that, that ain't me, all right? And it's frustrating. It's aggravating. And the Lord expresses when someone like misrepresents his name, it doesn't sit well with him. How do we know that? Because the back end of this third commandment, God makes that clear. Here's the message translation of the rest of the command in chapter 20, verse 7. God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. In fact, what we're supposed to do with his name, theologian Peter Enns writes, is the name of God must be treated with the highest respect. That's true, isn't it? Like you feel that, like that's what what God deserves, treating his name with the highest respect. Well, it might be like in your taking up the name of the Lord, maybe there is a sense of conviction. I don't know, man. I think maybe from time to time I treat his name lightly. 
think there's some promises that I've made in his name that I haven't fulfilled. I think from time to time, I've justified some of my own actions by just kind of blaming that on the Lord. I sense some conviction. Well, I want to encourage us to respond to this command at least one of three ways. One would be to repent. Secondly, to realign. And third, to renew. First, repent. That's not a word we often use in conversation. So what does it mean? Repent means to, to recognize like wrongdoing. That you agree with God, like there's something that I've done is wrong and you express sorrow for it. Man, I'm sorry. I realize that I've done this. Repentance is a healthy part of a process of having a relationship with God. That's not a one and done. Repentance is not a one and done something that's an active part of our recognizing, Lord, I, I got this wrong and I'm sorry and I agree with you. Here's a great verse to help us with our repentance. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let me ask you, is there any, is there any way that you have misrepresented God's name? Is there anything you need to repent of? Agree with God. Repent. Search my heart. Reveal it to me, Lord. Secondly, realign. If there's something that just comes to mind or heart that you've, you've gotten wrong, well, this is an invitation to get it right, to realign, to line up with God again, to agree with him. The Bible talks a lot about living our life as like walking. The, the, the metaphor walk is our life. And over and over, we're told to walk worthy of our calling. Walk worthy of the Lord. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. There might need to be something in our life that's gotten out of alignment in our taking up God's name that right now there's a sense of God's call to bring that back online and walk worthy of the Lord. Realign. And then finally, there's renewal. Renewal. There, there's a lot of things that maybe you have subscribed to which come with an automatic renewal. I told you all a few weeks ago, my wife took my credit card away from me because I had all these auto renewal purchases that I didn't even know I had. And she started getting them and asked me a question, like, what are you doing? Give me that. She gave it back to me yesterday. Can we celebrate? Yay! So we all know what auto renewals are like. See, there's this errant thinking that our spiritual life is set on auto renewal. And you just kind of wake up, oh, look, man, my relationship with the Lord is renewed. Everything's right. Doesn't work like that. 
your spiritual life isn't set on auto renewal. That's an intentional decision that you make to renew your heart before the Lord where you realize, man, there's some things I've gotten wrong. I want to get realigned and I want the Lord to like renew my heart. I want to renew my covenant and commitment to take up his name well. Here's a passage for that. Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. I think there's some renewal that needs to happen in the house today. That you realize that it's important. Like the name of the Lord that we've been discussing, it's it's the revelation of it is eye-opening and you're seeing a, a fuller expression of who he is and you're, you're recognizing like there's a responsibility that I have to rep his name well, but there's, there's areas that just need to be addressed for me to do that. May the day be the day of your renewal and may you take up the name of the Lord and represent him well.